Hi, welcome to episode 20 of the We're All Screwed Up and That's Okay podcast with me, Dawn Walton. This week's a bit of a interesting one. So a week ago today, my mother died. A couple of days beforehand, my cousin had been in touch to tell me that she was really ill and probably didn't have long to live. And um, yes, she was right. Now, I disconnected from my mother in 2015 after she failed to show up for me at the trial of my abuser and consequently he got off guilty, uh, not guilty. So um, I, I have already lost my mother many years ago and grieved the loss of my mother and dealt with that. So uh, losing my mother is hard. I have a past with her. She's probably the only adult in my childhood that showed me love and seemed to genuinely care for me until some pretty significant betrayals. So, yeah, it's hard and it's sad, but I don't have anything unresolved and I don't need any closure. And I felt that I was okay to deal with it. The day after my mother died, a friend that I've known for 10 years, in fact, a friend that attended the trial to feed back to me on what was going on because I couldn't be there at all times. She posted a message in response to the message about my mother dying, saying, it's really hard to lose a mother. Um, I've just lost a close friend. Now, in the 10 years that we've been friends, she has said that she doesn't know my mother. In fact, we've had conversations about it and she's played that she doesn't know my mother. So this was a really what the heck moment for me. When I read this comment, I'm, am I reading this right? And I messaged her and I said, what the heck's going on here? And she said, yeah, I've been really close friends with your mum for 15 years at least. And she was boasting about it. There was no apology. And basically she has only been friends with me so that she could pass stuff back to my mother. She's not been my friend at all. And she was more than delighted to let me know that as soon as she possibly could. And that is another huge betrayal, not least of which because she could have told my mother what was going on in court and got her to show up. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happened as a result of this, of feeling like I'm not significant. Nobody factors in my feelings. And then what I've discovered over the few days that have passed um, is that my mother going has unblocked a whole bunch of memories, which I guess it's inevitable. And I know when I work with clients, we work on connected memories like this massive spider web. And that's what's happened this time is that um, all sorts of memories are coming to mind. And I've got to say, they're pretty horrible ones. They are memories I'd much rather forget. And there are connections that I've made because one of the things this quote friend said was my mother always believed that she'd be able to reconcile particularly with her her grandchild um, because when I disconnected from her I was very aware that the consequences of her choices she had to live with and the consequence for her was that she would lose access to her grandchild which I know was a very special thing for her Um, and anyway this friend made some comment about you know, 40 years of women's aid and my mother not knowing what went on, which was which was all not true, but there were some connections that were made. When I lodged, I phoned the NSPCC to report him for abuse 
And I told my mother when I did, and she said she would do anything that she could to help. And over the two years of hell I went through uh, in the process, she refused to talk to police. When she did, she didn't corroborate my story. And eventually she put her own case against him, piggybacked off mine. And the police, because of data protection and whatever, wouldn't tell me what that was, even though it was with my case. And although the CPS went forward with mine, they didn't go forward with hers, but the conditions of his bail were that he shouldn't go anywhere near either of us. The, the stuff that I know probably happened doesn't excuse her behaviour, but as she's gone and there's a hole that's kind of unblocked almost, a uh, load of stuff has become released. So uh, <coughs> this is a challenging, this is a challenging podcast, right? This is this is a, a difficult thing because here I am uh, as a therapist. Uh, doing my podcast on helping you guys and providing insight. And I'm right in the thick of the very worst of this right now. I mean, yesterday I went for a walk. Um, The day before, I had the first day in over six months I didn't exercise and meet my exercise goal on my Apple Watch. I have exercised every day since... Boxing Day, because I got my Apple Watch, my new Apple Watch for Christmas, and I've been using the Apple Fitness Plus app. I've been doing yoga, strength training, and as the weather's got nicer, I've been going for walks. And every day, even though most days I didn't feel like it, I've made sure I did at least 20 minutes of exercise. Closed all the rings on my watch and have had a sense of achievement for being able to achieve that for such a long time. And I just found myself the day before yesterday with nothing in the tank, like nothing. I could not do anything for myself, self-care, anything like that. Um, you know, just just found myself um, empty. And I'm not good at processing emotions. My childhood taught me not to do stuff with emotions. Uh, it was dangerous to And whilst I am very good at helping other people with it, I know the principle of it. I have not ever got yet, and I say yet because everything is a yet, to the point where I have learned a healthy way of processing my emotions. So when something like my mother dying happens, it, it doesn't on the surface affect me. However, the interesting thing was on the mother the morning that uh, I got the phone call to say that she was really ill and was likely to die soon. I had bitten something and I'd had a a twinge in my tooth, a bit of pain. After that phone call, by the afternoon, it turned into a raging toothache. And has been developing over the week as a really, really bad toothache to the point where I went to the dentist on Monday and he did an x-ray and he kind of tried to make up that there was something there, but clearly there wasn't very much there because I was in pain and, and he had to find a way to explain it. Um... And actually, at the moment, with all the stupid, crazy COVID stuff, he was like, uh, I think what we should just do just to be safe is put a crown on it. And um, you'll have to wait till the end of the year next year if you want it done on the NHS, or you can pay nearly £800 to do it privately, and we can do that straight away. Um, Because we're not allowed to do drilling yet. Because normally, you just like have a little drill in, clear out the filling, give it a clean out, and sort it out, right? But he says he can't do that. But he can do it privately. So amazingly, COVID can tell the difference between whether you pay for something or not. Isn't that kind of cool? Anyway, so <laughs> the dentist gave me uh, antibiotics and I 
came home and I've been taking the antibiotics. And it's been getting slowly and steadily better. Um, but it hasn't really been about the tooth. The side of my face has been a problem. So I think there's, there's something going on there. And I know that when I have stress and emotion, it comes out in me physically. Uh, I usually get mouth ulcers and I usually get a cold. Uh, in the first years after Adam died, my, my baby that was born. Because it's also, you know, his birthday on the 6th of July. He would have been 14 this year. And... The first couple of years after he died, he only lived for 30 days. He was born extremely prematurely, didn't have much of a chance. And those first couple of years, I just had a cold every year on his birthday. And it, it wasn't, it was like an allergy cold. It wasn't one that I could get rid of in any way, shape or form with anything. And I know my body lets out my emotions. My body protects me from my emotions as well. And so when something happens that's significant, like my mother dying, you'd think it, it, it wouldn't be a big deal or I, I'd just cry about it. But that's not how I work. So anyway, I was getting on with the business of processing things. My toothache was doing its thing. And then this friend did this thing and it totally floored me. And it brought out all the things that I've dealt with over the years about feeling like I'm almost non-existent. I think the only way I can describe it is all those cats that you see when you go on a foreign holiday, all the stray cats, and you kind of give them a bit of your breakfast and things like that, and they're lovely, but you go away and you don't think about them, right? You don't change your life for millions of stray cats that are around you. And and I think that's how I feel in my life, is that uh, people feel... I am not, how worthy is the wrong word, it isn't worthy, but I'm not significant enough to consider in any of their actions. So my mother didn't feel that it was important enough. She protected herself and her feelings and her fear of this guy over showing up for me. She's done that repeatedly over the years. My father, stepmother, everybody, it just, every single adult in my life has done this, has never seen me as somebody who was worthy of protection and of love. And that's been a challenge, right? <laughs> you can imagine. And I know what we say, right? We, we, I know I help my clients with this and I know it's about the adults and not about me. But the challenge I have is I have a brother and he was treated differently and I have a half sister and she was treated very differently by the same adults that were in our lives. So, you know, I'm an awkward case, but I know that, right? And, and I'm in a better place and I've worked through a load of stuff and I deal with it and it's been fine until something like this happens with a friend that feels not just like a huge betrayal, but she was proud of the fact that she's played me for all these years. And I had no idea. And I don't actually mind that much that my mother saw things. I was very aware that because of social media, either she or her friends could easily be seeing. So I was very careful what I posted. And some stuff only my friends got to see because I didn't want anybody to feed that back. And then she was there all along lurking. It's kind of crazy, right? Actually, if you were to do a film of my life, which would be quite, you know, a long film, you'd, you'd just call it plot twist, I think, because every time something happens, there's like a plot twist and it, it gets kind of crazy. And to the point where I, I'm just like, I'm fine, I'm okay, right? Because it's just so crazy, you can't even process it. it it's like, I've got this far with all of this stuff happening. It, it doesn't matter, it's okay. And then yesterday I went for a walk. And, uh, you know, a walk's not really helping. Um, 
you know, clear your head, doesn't clear your head just to be in your head, right? It doesn't actually clear anything. You have to, you have to process and you have to do stuff. And, and when transformation happens, it is messy. It is painful. It is nasty. There is nothing about it that really feels good. Um, but what I know enough of from my work on myself, from my work with the clients is that the other side is so much better. It's like having a massive storm. You know, with the storm, you get this big build-up and you feel this closeness and it feels heavy. And and then the storm happens and it's disruptive and it causes damage. But on the other side, everything's fresh and new and grows and, and all of that great stuff happens. So, so I'm aware enough and I've done this enough to know that I'm right in the thick of the worst bit. And that means that there will be another side and it will be a better side. But I'm kind of just dealing and I'm, I'm thinking about the practicalities the funerals next Wednesday I shall take my child down as much so they get to say goodbye to their gran and meet some of the family and we'll close stuff off and sorry but there's going to be a load of photos that I'm sharing because um, I'm going to get access to the photo albums and all of that stuff will happen and I will clear things through and on the other side I'll be able to start putting stuff behind me and making this another crazy chapter in my screwed up life. So going for a walk, keeping things moving forward. Um, and I I wear barefoot shoes. So, so many years ago, I was playing squash, my favorite sport. And I went over on my ankle really badly. Now, at the time, I was working in Dublin Monday to Friday. I was living in Watford, working in Dublin. So I flew out every Monday and back every Friday. And my husband, I think, was away in San Francisco or something like that. So I was playing with a friend, went over on my ankle really, really badly, drove home. And then when I tried to stand up, I couldn't. It was just so painful. I ended up calling a friend and asking them to bring a load of ankle straps and things like that. And then the next day, I had to drive to the airport, catch a plane and go to Dublin. For about six months, I was doing that with this really bad ankle. And eventually I went to an Irish doctor while I was out there and she said, you know, it looks like you probably broke it. Um, You should have gone to the hospital and get it sorted. It's going to take a long time to fix. And ever since then, every couple of years, the ankle just goes. Not on an uneven surface, not on anything like that. It just goes. And I mean, it's like it kind of re-breaks and re-tears all the tendons. And it's just a huge problem. And I've dealt with this for many years. And then um, I realized that the problem is if I have shoes with any sort of heel on them, that's more likely to happen. So I have a really great pair of sketches that I love and I've worn to death. But if I stand on something or if, if my ankle decides to go, if I'm in my sketches, it'll go really badly. And, and so in the middle of lockdown last year, it went over again. I'm like, all right, I have to I have to be sensible about this. Because when I wore Converse, it never happened. So I wear flat shoes without any heel whatsoever. Um, And I have these Merrell barefoot style shoes that are really, really flat. So I was walking yesterday and I stood on a rock and my ankle went over and it hurt, but it wasn't. It was fine. I could keep walking. But it was, you know, when you've got a cup that's absolutely full of water and you add that last drop, (laughs) the whole thing overflowed. So... I had like a full on meltdown. I swore at the universe. I swore at everything. And I'm walking along the road. Luckily, I live in the middle of nowhere. I'm walking along the road sobbing, like tears streaming down my face, sobbing, just, you know, 
proper full-on meltdown and carried on walking. I had another 4K or so on a loop to get home. So I just carried on where I was going and eventually was able to kind of get it in control and then got home and I just sat outside for an hour and I just sat outside and I cried. And it just all of these horrible, disgusting memories, connections, interspersed with all sorts of other memories came flooding into my mind. And I just sat there outside without anybody else around me and just let them come. And interestingly, uh, my tooth felt a lot better after that, somehow. <laughs> just... And it was it was good to have that clearing out and it was good to let all the emotion out and deal with the stuff. And I was messaging back and forth with my husband because, you see, the thing is, all through my life, I've been told, don't speak about this. Don't tell anybody. Let's not talk about it ever again. So I find it really hard to speak. You, you, you might think listening to me. That's not, but this is a one-way thing. I'm not getting any feedback from you. If you were sat here in front of me and I was trying to tell you this stuff, I would really struggle. My my brain shuts me down when I try and speak. So that's where I have what's called an ab reaction, which is my brain shuts down. I'm unable to speak. I'm unable to move. And my head becomes a very dark place. So I find it really difficult to speak to people. But nobody ever told me not to type. <laughs> nobody ever told me not to write. So for me started with blogging and now my safe space on my Facebook, apart from having this one batshit crazy friend, um, I use these spaces and that's why you see some real honest stuff from me on social media. I think other people would struggle to post, but for me, it's a lot easier because I, I don't have the same connection if I write it as if I was to speak it. So um, it allows me to kind of process and write stuff out. So I was messaging back and forth with my husband, who was just in the house, right? I'm sat in the garden, he's in the house. And and it allowed me, and he was he was reminding me of how when his mother had died, a similar thing had happened in that a whole bunch of connections were made and memories were released. And um, it's like, I think the way he said it was like a mother-shaped hole disappears and, and it, it opens up and, and stuff happens. And I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I'm right in the middle of that. I'm a lot better today than I was yesterday. Today, I was just, I was just a mess. Um, today I'm back to this state where I think anybody shows me kindness or is nice to me, I'll lose it. Um, if I have to talk about stuff, I'll lose it. So I'm fragile, but I'm not melting down anymore like I was yesterday. So I will travel down on Monday with my child. We'll stay at a friend's. The funeral will be on Wednesday, so on the Tuesday we'll go to the house, sort some stuff out, and then we'll drive back on the Thursday. And then that will be that. Very much a chapter closed off in my life. No more chance of any conversations, uh, reconciliations, or anything like that, which wasn't going to happen from my part. But I did want my daughter, child, to... Um, have a relationship with my grand, their grand when they were old enough. They called her Nana Pink. She always had pink hair. She loved that. Um, and and the problem was I couldn't be in that relationship because it hurts too much what my mother has done or not done for me. So I'd said to my child that when they were 18 and old enough, I'm more than happy for them to have a relationship. They just have to have it without me there. Um, and now that 
isn't available to them. So I think I owe it to them to take them to the funeral. I'm not sure I'd have gone otherwise. Uh, but I do need to go down and clear out the house. So uh, this is a waffly on thing. And I know this is a bit different. And I'm sure if you're listening to this years later, so <laughs> this is like July 2021. July is a hell of a month for me. I'm sure if you're listening to it, you're like, what the heck? Um, I will be on the other side. And I think for me, it's always interesting and important for me to talk about stuff as I'm going through it because it allows me to look back and see what that process was like and and realise how far I've come. So this is the messy bit. Change is not tidy, is not easy, is painful and requires a lot of self-awareness and it requires you to have your own mechanisms for processing stuff. And it's very hard to process if you just do it in your own head. That's what I know about myself. So I share, I share overshare probably I'm as honest as I can be because seeing it written down seeing other people comment on it allows me to minimize it and deal with it and have a manageable object whereas in my head it just becomes bigger and swirlier and more out of control and harder to believe because again my whole life I've not been believed I've not been taken seriously I've not been treated as significant And it's hard for me. You have no idea how hard it is when people say nice things. (laughs) You have no idea. I I literally, they're like, you've done so much for us, you're inspirational, whatever. And I literally do not compute. It doesn't make any sense to me because it doesn't reconcile with my image of myself. But it's, it's really appreciated because it keeps challenging who I think I am and it keeps me moving forward. Upsetting though it can be for me at times. So, see, I didn't know what I was going to talk about. And like, we're nearly 22 minutes now, <laughs> waffled on. Now, at the moment, I'm writing a series of blog posts on Medium about my life. I'm writing at different stages of my life and telling my life story because, you know, I got to the end of this and I thought, this is just so ridiculous. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The stuff that's happened in my life, you can't make it up. And I sit here kind of going, it's amazing, you know. I'm here. I'm a therapist. I get to help people. I've written four books. I've done a TED Talk. I help people every day. At this stage, I've helped over 1,200 people all over the world. It's my eight-year anniversary this month, which is, woohoo! you know, eight years. I've been a full-time therapist. I help 1,200 people, over 1,200 people across the world. And that's not even with the books and my podcast and all that sort of stuff that has helped people. I've got an amazing family. My husband, I've been with him since I was 18, 19 years old. He is just the reason I'm here right now. And my child is just amazing and awesome. And I love them to bits. And how am I in this life? (laughs) With all of that that's happened, I have no idea. But I am. So what I know for sure is, no matter how hard this is, no matter how betrayed I feel, no matter what I have to deal with, I'll be fine and I'll get through it because I've got through everything before. I'll just maybe get through it kicking and screaming this time. Um, And I think it will force something to shift that really needed to shift and will make me a better person, a more centred, more okay in myself person on the other side. I hope so anyway. It's make or break, right? So uh, thank you for listening. If you stuck all the way through it, I was going to read my first chapter of my book, but hey, I'll do that in a different podcast. And um, I'll speak to you all again soon. Take care.